You're listening to the Plane Talking UK podcast, the UK-based podcast written by a passenger for anyone. And here are your hosts, Carlos Devings, Matt Smith and Neville Bounds. You know what it is? You know what it is? What's that? Well, no, because Neville's just realised that I've played the correct titles and so he just fell off his chair. He fell off That's his chair. That's what it was. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. That, that is what it was. Yeah. Well, <laughs> hello and welcome to episode number 201. God, it feels weird saying that. 201 <coughs> of the Plain Talking UK podcast. <coughs> I'm Carl Stevens. Sorry. <laughs> and coughing with man flu in the barn studio with it's me okay, this week this is yeah. Matt Smith. Hello, everyone. Hello. Welcome. 201, eh? 201. Yeah, it really, just sounds really weird saying that now. 201. 201. Indeed. Yeah, absolutely. Brilliant. We, we just about survived, everyone, didn't yeah, we? We did. Yes. And also <laughs> joining us via the realms of Skype today, it's uh, our other awesome co host, uh, tech genius, Mr. Neville Bounds. I think I need a week off. I think we right. should have had a week off actually <laughs> yeah, starting Sunday, in fact. Um, yes, I... It was such an awesome show, uh, but everybody's very tired. And our, my studio is finally just about back together, but there's still a few bits missing. So uh, <laughs> just <laughs> as well, you can't see more of the shot. Here, you've, you've, you've got a few gremlins in the system, I yes, think, is the, is yes, the best yes. way to describe it. It's never oh. my day. But we all survived. Uh, I, we, we're not going to talk about the 200th too much, obviously, because if you know it's a... a it was all there. We've got loads of great content that we're going to be bringing out very shortly. Mm. Not least of all, um, if you weren't watching live, there was an amazing little bit that Captain Nick did uh, where the pros had a go in the simulator. Oh, that was so say. good. I, mean, I was, cannot wait for that to be. When yeah. are you going to release that, Matt? Are you going to, uh, I uh, haven't the, decided yet. You haven't yet. decided yet? No, I haven't. De- myself and Never going to have some kind of meeting at some yeah. point, and we'll decide. For those of you, you uh, who yeah. didn't get a chance to catch the live show, that was probably the the, the event of the, of the event Absolutely. was to see uh, yeah. Captain Nick and uh, Captain Al and uh, Captain Jeff yeah. flying the uh, flying the sim. I'll, t- um, I'll tell you one thing, Mum actually said that was was fascinating about that the whole thing. The was, commentary. Well, yes, no, the commentary was, was great, <laughs> but Mum said how competitive they all were, like when they were all sort of concentrating. <laughs> and, you know, it's all taking the Mickey out of the fact yeah. that they're in this Boeing seven three seven eight hundred <laughs> simulator. But it was. I think actually, I'm surprised that Jeff hasn't had to go to some sort of jaw specialist because uh, he was uh, when he was chewing that gum, he yes. was he was very, very serious, wasn't yes, he? So, uh, some serious yeah. concentration going on yeah. there, wasn't? Absolutely, but we can we can actually confirm. You'll see by the videos, but we can confirm that that they all landed. They did. They all landed successfully, Um, albeit with slight crosswinds and rather rubbish visibility. Yeah, I think it's fair to say that the guys at the sim did exactly as asked and uh, threw them through the experts a few curveballs, shall we say? So everyone else had a nice sunny day, you know, where everything was all hunky dory. But we thought, you know, the pros have got to have got to be tested here, haven't they? In a plane that they've never pl- flown before, exactly. Right? Yeah, all this kind of thing. But it, it was good fun. I tell you what was interesting as well. We had uh, with with Nick doing his his bit. It was fascinating to see how they they all immediately became captains. Like in the way that they were talking <laughs> to each other, and all it was literally, you know, yeah. Nick especially, and it was just, it was like a, a reflex, you know, talking, going through the the flight checks and things as you mm. were coming into land. It was just like a, a reflex. I tell you what, I felt so safe listening to all that. But anyway, that's <laughs> stuff for you to look forward to yeah, in, in later later on in the definitely. year. But uh, yeah, such a real highlight. So it is the twenty eighth of January, and it's just coming up to ten past two in the afternoon here in the UK. Uh, loads of people in the chat room joining us this afternoon. And 
as always, Dave Abbey, and uh, we've got Philip Davis, Graham Haley, Liz Piper, Richard King is also in the chat room. We've got uh, Neville Bounds, Airshow World oh, very good. is also in the chat room. I'm um, just moving up the list here in case I've missed any. I don't think I've missed anyone out, but um, we thought we'd do a Sunday show this week because we were all a bit busy Friday, and, <laughs> yeah. uh, and, and the afternoon uh, shows tend to sort of help out our American listeners Absolutely. with, uh, with time differences Indeed. and stuff. So good yeah. to see everyone who's joined us in the chat room. Indeed, yes. Yeah. So before we launch off into things, we're just going to very quickly cover the fact that my mum wanted me to say thank you very much to oh, yes. the amazing, uh, the absolutely amazing Jenny in Rome. Because as, as everybody who was watching knows, my mum did the buffet, but Jenny bought some amazing bits and pieces from all the way from uh, Rome uh, that were for my mum, which she was very grateful. I was hoping to get her on and, and talk to her, but I, the technology's let me down. But uh, Skype yeah, let you down. Yeah, yeah. She was really, she was really, really quite touched. As indeed was I. We all had some amazing little gifts. Oh, didn't we? we did, uh, didn't we? Nev, that um, I think uh, did, when did when did you have your uh, your reindeer? I must admit, I didn't have mine till last night. Well, I've just had a, a little bit of a slice of it uh, yesterday. I've got uh, three or four left. Um, Mrs. Nev wasn't too sure about it. Right. But, uh, <laughs> okay. um, you know, as I said to her the other day when we were in Brazil, we should have just, you know, carved off a bit of something and sent but, it to yeah. Andreas. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Oh, so send, so him, good. send him a bit of a beef. I mean, it's, talk about it, off, it's a yeah. real curveball, but it was, I, it was, well, me and mum loved it, but then we quite like sort of these yeah, strong yeah. flavours. I do like yeah. smoked of it, yeah. And of course, Andreas also gave us these amazing little name, name badges, badges which, yeah. uh, which I should have put on actually thinking about it. Yeah, I will I, do in the future. I yeah. put mine on the day. Absolutely. But no, they were fantastic, uh, and also we got the little um, oh, from, Ad, from, uh, from Armando. Armando, oh, Armando yeah, yeah, absolutely. The yeah. Uh, the the uh, special I'm, forces. Oh, see, look, Nev's got the Nev's got his. Hey, Nev's got his yeah, there. Absolutely. They look. Mm. See now, Armando has made me very nervous. You see, because if you don't have the coin with you. Which I haven't, and, and somebody asks you to present it. You see, so I've actually had to, like, I don't keep Matt's coins got in my his wallet. Coin. In no, the, he's got I have coin. to keep it with me at all times. <laughs> Just to show that the, so the benefit of everyone on the. Oh, oh in no, the, it's over there. there, we, there go. we go. Look, so that's the coin that Armando had uh, me Nev, yeah. and uh, Matt made. And I think on Pip got one as well. Yeah, and on the other side, you've got your name and everything on there. It's such an awesome. Coin I can't get it to focus that, but yeah, apparently it's quite weighty as well. It is very weighty, weighty. Yeah. and if you yeah. don't have it with you, and he asks you to present it, you're in a lot of trouble. Yes. Basically, yeah. that's a lot. and I think you have to buy the drinks or something. So it's you know, so basically, because I'm a tightwad, I'm going to make sure that I've got it with me at all times. <laughs> <laughs> but it was very generous uh, of uh, the guys for the gifts and stuff. Indeed, very very nice indeed. But before we stop talking about the 200th, I've just got a little video. Uh, oh, we there have. was one person that was missing. Yes, uh, from the 200th, but show she who had a good be. excuse. She did have a very good excuse, and we'll play the reason for you right now. Hi, Carlos, Matt, and Neville. Congratulations on your 200th episode. I really hope you're having a good time. And while you get to play around in those sims, I get to play around in these sims, which is also very awesome. I'm sorry I couldn't be there. I hope you're having a wonderful time, and I'll see you next time. Take care. Bye-bye. How cool is that oh, video? That is amazing, you, isn't it? Thank you, Milo. Yeah, wow. It's just like so. For those of you listening to the audio version of the show, basically, she's standing out. So, because those of you who know who who listen to the show regularly will know, Milo is currently doing her is it type rating training, something yeah. like that, in order to to fly for a certain airline. And uh, yeah, the reason why she couldn't make it is because she was in the sim. She was in the sim. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But the only difference was the sim that Milo was in there was a full motion sim. Yes, absolutely. so it's all very movie yeah. movie sort of stuff. And, Indeed, yeah, but awesome, Indeed. awesome. 
He's a very jealous smiler. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but a good good excuse nonetheless. Good not excuse, to be there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And a quick one before we uh, finish as well. Just another uh, chance for us to say a big thanks as well to Nick, Paul, and Joe as yes. well over yeah. MP Simulations for uh, for you know what uh, yeah. what was a fantastic day. Indeed. In fact, we, we went. To, you wouldn't have seen this, Carlos, because you were far too busy uh, entertaining royalty. But uh, <laughs> oh. some of us had to go back on Sunday morning we did, uh, and yes, clear yes. it all up. And it's one of those things. We 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 just took one look at it. It's a bit like the, the party from the night before. Yeah. It was carnage, wasn't yeah, it? It was, was just yeah, terrible. Absolutely. But, yeah, yeah. Uh, but uh, no, we, we got it in back, back into decent shape. And we actually got a nice email back from Paul we saying did. he's never seen the place so clean. No, <laughs> indeed. So we, so six, I, six of us did I, I, I think you and I got the job, Nev. I think we, yeah, you know, if, if we ever needed a change in career, cle- yeah. cleaning MP simulations is, is the way forward, I think. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, seriously, those guys went above and beyond for our 200th. And it was and a, the meal was awesome. Oh, it was, wasn't it? Yeah. So, I'll tell so, you what, so I mean, good. Nev so did good. lots of, so, so much research was done by Nev uh, before before we did it. And I'll tell you what, as I say, that food was uh, was incredible. And uh, as I say, our final note, I think we should say, as far as thanks is concerned, is because Nev did so much work behind the scenes I know. for that. So a nice little round of applause yeah. for all the hard work that Nev did, because it wouldn't have been the huge success it, it was without yeah. all his uh, planning and things before. Not then, forgetting so. as well, Nev's walk of shame. Well, no, no, Nev didn't do it once. We're not silly. We sent we sent <laughs> Owen to do it. We're not stupid. We can't be seen dead in, in Maplin. Uh, but uh, yeah, absolutely. So uh, no, and everybody, there's loads of people uh, say Owen and everyone who was all helping us out on the following morning. Uh, Graham Haley was there, wasn't he? And, and yes, there's not everybody who can say that they've had their uh, their their floors polished and cleaned by by an Airbus captain because Captain I Nick hope. was there yeah. on, on scrubbing <laughs> duties as well. So yeah, absolutely. But a fantastic uh, time yeah. was had by all. So thank you very much to those of you who who were either watching online and joining us. Say we've got some great content coming up for from that uh, over over the coming weeks. But I think it's time to move on. Yes, we're going to start the show then as we do each week with our rundown of the weekly news from around the world and the UK. So if you're ready, Matt, I am indeed. And if you're ready, Nev. Yeah, I am. Let's go. So, kicking off this week's first news story then. This one is on the Guardian.com uh, website. Very posh paper. Uh, posh. Very posh. And <laughs> right. uh, the headline, and Matt's going to put some pictures up on the screen while I read this. Uh, the headline is Passengers £900 Case. Yes, I did say £900 Suitcase. Damaged, but airline refuses compensation. So, uh, a small London design company is facing a £900 bill after BA's sister of airline, Vueling, uh, trashed their salesman's expensive metal suitcase and then refused to reimburse the firm unless they took it to a shoe repair centre more than two hours from their office. I'm sorry, what? Exactly. (laughs) The Montreal Convention says airlines must compensate passengers if their luggage is damaged or lost up to the value of about £1,150. However, Vueling has been telling customers the maximum it will pay 
out is uh, 50 euros or 43 pounds. Right. Circle Line Design, based in Dulcet, has been battling with the Spanish carrier, which along with BA is part of the International Airlines Group, or IAG. Its salesman booked uh, a BA flight from Milan to Barcelona, only to find that despite booking on the BA website, he was travelling with budget airline viewing. Oh, poor him. Uh, that inconvenience was nothing uh, to what he found when he arrived and retrieved his metal 900 pounds Rimoa suitcase containing silk samples from the luggage return carousel. Its locks had been destroyed, it had been punctured, and according to a company spokeswoman, it looked like someone had taken an axe to it. The airline has refused to refund him or the firm, and it insisted they, uh, they would take the suitcase to a shoe repair service in Northwood, Middlesex, even though Vueling staff examined it at the time in Spain. Uh, there is no mention of this requirement in Vueling's terms and conditions. They rang the repair firm who told them that they had to bring the bag in, and no matter the condition of the bag, it cannot be repaired. Uh, they, Vueling, the company itself, will give a maximum of 50 euros, and that's their policy. Um, so, I mean, I mean, it's quite an industrial-looking case. Well, I was thinking it's quite an industrial-looking case as well. I mean, what? I mean, th those of you. So, as I say, apologies if you are, are listening to the audio version of the show. Uh, is at theguardian.com, and if you search for passenger case damaged, you will find uh, these particular photos. I mean, this thing looks like it's been run over by a truck. I don't really quite. I think get, <laughs> I don't, I think the, I I don't this, get it. It looks like the suitcase was uh, like against a wall, and the truck kind of ran into the. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, do you think that hole has been punched by like a <laughs> forklift or something? I mean, yeah, I just... also noticed that a bit further down in the, in the um, article, they said if if your baggage is damaged, you can report it upon arrival at the airport, where you should receive a property irregularity report. How polite! <laughs> is that? A property irregular. Oh dear. It does oh say on dear. the story that, that uh, you're right as a passenger. Right. It says if your bag is merely delayed, most airlines will reimburse you for the bare essentials, right. such as toiletries, underwear, and laundry costs. Uh, if your bag is delayed on your return home, you can probably forget it. I mean, well, yes, there is that. I mean, I, 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 a small part of me is wondering why somebody would spend so much money on a suitcase. Carrying silk. I mean, were the silkworms in there? Well, no, I don't know. Well, I mean, well, I mean, silk is an expensive product. Well, so I suppose is, it's yeah. quite a big-looking suitcase. So if it was all, all full I mean, of silk, then maybe I, I it's would imagine it was money, quite a nice-looking suitcase. At yes, one point. I think it was at some point, but uh, <laughs> it's, 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 I think it's in better days now. It definitely has. Yeah. yeah. So moving on to the next story, okay. Matt, and this one's for you. Yes, as usual, story two is a Ryanair story, and uh, a story I'm not overly convinced by, if I've been honest, uh, not helped by the fact it's on the Sunday Express, or in the <laughs> Sunday Express, I should say, and the headline is Ryanair Toilets on New Fleet, excuse me, uh, to be so small passengers can only wash one hand at a time. That's all right, most Ryanair passengers don't oh, wash their have, hands, Have, you, do have they? you seen the, the first sentence of the next paragraph and, and what it says as well? Oh dear, right, no. Uh, oh, hello. Um, it, it says, I don't want to steal your thunder, but no, no, do. is to launch a new fleet of aircraft, including the Boeing 727, 727 Max. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Excellent. Oh, well where's the yeah. soundboard when you yeah, need one? Yeah, that's, uh, Who writ this story? Cara <laughs> Godfrey. Wrote. Wrote, Cara, sorry. Don't wrote. you start. Sorry. Please. It's my Suffolk, Suffolk <laughs> accent. My I'm going Godfrey an email, I think. Yes, I think you should. That's very, very important. 727. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'll tell you what, 
you know, send your drawings into the to our email address podcast at plaintalkinguk.com. We want to see what a seven two seven max is going to yeah, look like. Yeah, I think like. so. Yeah, any any ideas as to what one of those would look like would be great. I don't know. Anyway, carry on. Matt. We'll feature them in next week's story. I like this. Yeah. So Ryanair is to launch a new fleet of aircraft, including the Boeing seven two seven Max, <laughs> which I know will be a huge surprise to most um, aviation geeks that there is such a thing that exists. Uh, which will apparently, and this slightly what smaller sounding aircraft will will um, apparently allow more passengers and more overhead locker space. This comes at the price of the bathrooms, as the Boeing aircraft have been deemed too small for passengers to wash their hands um, in a apparently made-up aircraft. So Ryanair, see, later on, they've got it right, Ryanair is to launch a new fleet of planes, which includes the Boeing 737 MAX. New fleet of planes, which includes the Boeing 737 MAX. Have I missed a story where they're doing something other than the Boeing 737 MAX? Anyway, um, having been announced last year, the new designs offer quieter planes, uh, which are much more efficient. Boeing has received over 4,000 orders for the new aircraft, um, which uh, yes, yeah, they've ordered for. They've had 4,000 orders for the new Boeing 737 Max 200. Uh, none at this current stage for the 727 Max. Um, uh, passengers have been experienced uh, who have experienced the Boeing 737 Max not in Europe on airlines such as American Airlines and um, Air Canada have noticed one flaw with the planes, however, which is that the bathrooms are much smaller than usual. Flight attendants at American Airlines first reported the problem to the LA Times. They complained that it is now uh, there is now only room to wash one hand at a time, as well as causing the problem of water splashing out <laughs> that, that lovely image as you leave the toilet where you've acc- where you look like you've wet yourself anyway uh, this was echoed by an air calendar uh. Canada passenger who took to Twitter to air their grievances uh, around the smaller uh, basins. Uh, it's it's not the only problem. The back of the plane has also suffered from size issues, as uh, that that has meant that when the two doors to the toilets are open, cabin crew members are unable to pass through the cabin. Right. Okay. So, I mean, I that I don't. I, I'm looking at a picture. Let me let me just see if I can just pop the. Sorry, it's a bit difficult when I'm doing it. So we're popping these these pieces. Uh, that doesn't scream at no, me that it's a particularly. Is that not the new? That's not the new one. I right, I okay. had the chance when when I was at Dubai to try yeah. the to try the lavatory uh, facilities on board Fly Dubai seven three seven Max that they had on display there. Okay, and I will say that in that in the story's defence that um, the sinks on the Max are not very deep. Right. Uh, the width. Okay. I mean, you can put two hands in, isn't it? Okay. I mean, the story says you're going to fit one hand in. It's a bit naff, yeah. but you can put both hands in. But the sinks are not very deep, so okay. when you obviously put the tap on to to wash your hands, the water does have a tendency to um, spray everywhere. Right. Um, but they have definitely shrunk the size of the wash facilities on the Max on. Obviously, in an ideal world, absolutely everybody who goes to the bathroom obviously washes their hands. But well, I should hope in so. reality, how many people actually do? <laughs> Well, less than or fewer than fifty percent. Well, say, indeed, probably. absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's yeah, so it's only really going to affect the likes of you and I, where you know. <laughs> but I don't know. I mean, it's uh, well. I mean, it's you know, quality reporting by the Sunday Express, as expected. Uh, have you sent that email yet, Nev? <laughs> uh, no, I haven't. But actually, just looking at the, my keyboard, and everyone is the same. Uh, two, of course, is next to three on the keyboard. Oh, so it's, it's, it's an easy mistake to make. But in aviation, it's a bit fundamental. Isn't yeah, it? I, I did. I did. Yeah, while well, Matt was reading the story, yeah. I, I did. Google Google the 727 Max 
Google didn't come up with many options. No. Did it not? No, oh, funnily enough. Yeah. Oh, well, that's um, a shame. Yes. Uh, Owen's actually said in the chat room that um, are Ryanair going to be the launch uh, company for the for the seven two seven two seven Max? Yeah, absolutely. That'd be, be good to see that. Yeah, perhaps we'll yeah. have to uh, contact Boeing. Probably. You know. Yeah. Anyway, I'm going to ask Nev to move on because yes, I need Nev. to blow my nose. So we've, uh, uh, oh, if you nice. wouldn't mind, Love please. <laughs> and so Nev, next story. Uh, it's a British Airways story, of course, and uh, this is an interesting one from Alpha.com and a photo of a seemingly innocuous sign at Heathrow's Terminal 5 last week caused a mini Twitter storm after it was posted online by an IoT security specialist. David Rogers took a snap of the sign before an international flight at the London airport. The left-hand sign read, we are trialling a new process today and welcome any feedback, whilst the right-hand sign said, we're running tests here to assess how new equipment could speed up identity checks the key sentence which caused the mini storm was the tests are voluntary if you don't want to take part let us know rogers claimed that when he asked ba staff how to opt out of the trial he was told it wasn't possible and this led to replies and retweets from concerned flyers the first attempt at biometric automated border control was in 1992 in amsterdam and fingerprinting has been used for over a decade e-passports have become increasingly widespread since 2004 and are now commonplace in the major UK airports. BA has been using its new facial recognition technology and so-called biometric gates on domestic flights at Heathrow's T5 since last June and it began trialling it on flights out of LAX airport in December. The aim of BA's biometric gates is primarily to make the check-in process quicker and easier. They don't strictly add anything in terms of security but in Instead, automate an existing manual process. After your face is scanned at security, computer software is used instead of a human agent to confirm your identity and the gate for your flight. BA did reply to Rogers' tweet saying it was keen to hear what its passengers are feeling about the new facial recognition equipment tests but didn't address the privacy concerns, seemingly missing the point Rogers was making and adding to the confusion. That's never happened before, actually, at BA. <laughs> I'm really surprised. Yeah. And uh, anyway, uh, the, the, uh, the uh, Alpha.com further contacted BA for comment regarding Roger's experience and a representative told us he was given the information in error. It is voluntary for our customers to take part in any trial and we are sorry that the incorrect information was relayed on this occasion, the company representative told us. The company explained that you can opt out of the trial by asking a BA uh, staff member but that wouldn't stop your image from being captured altogether. The other thing it does, because uh, I had this the other day going to Glasgow, is that now you have to board in groups so it says group 1, group 2, group three right. and of course if you if it says that group one is boarding and you're group three or something like that you have to do the walk of shame because then you have to go all the way back because the gate physically will not open if you've, if really? you've gone in yeah um so uh, oh. i'll see that again uh, next week when i'm off to amsterdam on uh, on sunday so uh, that'll be quite interesting but uh, the, the all these sorts of things that they should be sorted out properly shouldn't they they i mean trialing these things they should have done all that beforehand and not try to try these things in, in in real live boarding situations that mm. just cause confusion. I think. I mean, do you think in the long term, though, Nev? Obviously, I mean, can can you see the benefits of, of such a system? I mean, I mean, is it going to speed up boarding once they've nailed, you know, ironed out the uh, hiccups? 
I think it depends what airport and what airline you're flying with. Some are really efficient and really effective, and other people just uh, take seem to take ages to, to, to yeah. board a flight with with all the all the boarding cards checking and all the rest of it. So, um, and the other thing is, of course, now we're we're all using uh, the stuff on our tablets and smartphones, of course. And you know, you you get to the gate and your your battery's gone dead in your smartphone, or, or this this yeah. sort of stuff's going on now. So that's even uh, a bigger problem, isn't it? That is true. I think people are worried as well when, when they see stuff like this, that, you know, secrecy, or not secrecy, but like privacy and stuff like that, when they're seeing, you know, that they might have their faces, pictures taken and all that sort of stuff. People get a bit, some people get a bit kind of hmm, worried about things like that. Mm, you know? Sure. Yeah, yeah absolutely. But, um, mm. Obviously, it's all security based. It's all, you know, it's all, um, it's got to be done. For security yeah, I think stuff, we're, yeah. we're, we're living in this world now, aren't we? But there's so much CCTV everywhere. We don't know what happens to that data. No, we don't know true. how long people keep it for. Um, but, of course, in the long run, it has actually been effective in tracking down miscreants and, and people that shouldn't be doing what yes. they're doing. Yes, so, course, um, yeah, so yeah. it is yeah, it is inconvenient. And uh, obviously our pri- uh, privacy is compromised, I, I would say. But um, this is the world we live in today, unfortunately. It is. Just got to get used to it, basically. Yeah. So the next story is on the Reuters.com website. And uh, Qatar, Qatar, you know the thing. <laughs> Qatar Airways first Airbus A350-1000 to be delivered February the 15th to the 20th. Uh, so uh, Doha, this is in Doha, um, well, the Airbus are going to deliver the first uh, ever A350-1000 jet to an airline uh, to Qatar between February the 15th and the 20th, the carrier's chief executive said on Saturday. Delivery of Europe's largest twin-engine passenger jet to launch customer Qatar Airways had been delayed from late last year to sometime next month due to issues with installing business class seats. Uh, he says that we're, we're progressing very well to receive our aircraft somewhere between the 15th and the 20th of February, uh, Qatar Airways Chief Executive Akbar al Baker told reporters in Doha. Qatar Airways has ordered 37 of the A350-1000s and the Middle Eastern airline is known for to be a demanding customer when uh, reviewing aircraft for quality defects before delivery. Qatar Airways has in the past refused to take delivery of aircraft over what it said were quality issues and has also cancelled some deliveries. Uh, Airbus looks forward to delivering the world's first A350-1000 to Qatar Airways in the coming weeks, Airbus Chief Operating Officer Fabrice Briget said in a press release issued by the airline. Uh, the complex seat configuration of Qatar Airways Q-Suite business class, which features seats that face each other and lie flat double beds, had delayed the delivery of the A350-1000 until February, Baker said on Monday, without detailing a specific date. The A350-1000 will be the first Airbus jet to feature the Q-Suite, which was unveiled last year and has been installed on Qatar Airways Boeing 777 jets, Baker said. The A350-1000 is the largest version of the A350 series and was launched uh, to compete against Boeing's 777s in the up to 400 seat market. Reporters on board one of the A350-1000 test aircraft said the airline expected to receive uh, four of the twin engine jets um, this year. 
Uh, Qatar Airways plans to initially fly its uh, first A350-1000 on long-haul routes before adding it to the ultra-long-haul routes in a few months' time in case of any potential technical issues with the new jet. Uh-oh. Baker said the airline hopes uh, to take delivery <laughs> of its first Boeing 777X by the first half of 2020. The airline has ordered 60 of Boeing's 777X jets according to data on Boeing's website. So, oh, I tell you, being picky, when you, I suppose when you're spending millions and billions and billions of pounds or dollars on uh, new jets, I suppose it pays to be fairly picky when it comes to, uh, I mean, most people, when you buy a new car, you will kind of give it a glance over to make well, sure everything's okay. Well, I would hope so, okay. yes, absolutely. Hopefully by a qualified mechanic. <laughs> but, that, I mean, that must be a good job to have within an airline to be the Q, the quality control person. To go and uh, oh, what well, to make sure that the, to make sure when the, the new the jets are delivered, that, yeah. that the uh, everything is working fine. <laughs> oh, I, that's I, true. I can see Nev doing that job, you know, like a quality insurance inspector for. Um, Maybe you know, he does it for BA already. <laughs> Who yeah, knows? Maybe. Going around kicking the tires and uh, yeah. all this sort of stuff. Yeah, but uh, I think that. Um, yeah, I mean, why not? I mean, they're, they're paying an awful lot of money uh, for these aircraft. It's got to be right, and, and the quality's got to be good. i tell you what, I do like the look of that new 1000 series uh, yeah. 350, don't you? I think so it, the, 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 the shape yeah. of it and the, the way the fuselage is is absolutely perfect. The long and the short of it is Carlos is never going to agree with you there because it's an Airbus. Oh, no, no. I, I, <laughs> I, I do. I do, actually. I, I quite like the 350. Right. Mm. Okay. It does look a bit Zorro-esque at the front. With Zorro-esque. The yeah. <laughs> but, uh, right, no, it, okay. it does It does look... I mean, it'd be nice to see uh, see what this looks like in a BA livery. I oh, think. yes. Yeah. Well, obviously yeah. fabulous, because it's got, you know, yeah. the national flag on it. Exactly. It's very good. Yeah. So, next story. <laughs> Moving on. Okay. Yes, absolutely. The next story, he says, obviously being very prepared, uh, is on the Daily Post. And the headline is Dana... Or Dana? Is it I Dana? Guess da- I think I it's know. pronounced Dana. Yes, so apologies if I've offended anyone from APG <laughs> with this. Uh, yeah, we'll say Dana, because I don't know any other, any different. So Dana Aircraft loses control. Hits fence at an airport I can't pronounce. Abuja. Abuja Airport. Lovely. I feel like I'm being really racist. When I say it. Yeah. Abuja Airport. With passengers on board, which is a bit of an oops. Uh, a commercial aircraft belonging to Dana Air nearly crashed after hitting the fence of... Oh dear! Are you Namadi doing, you've done Azikiwi. this to me on purpose, haven't you? Absolutely. Mm. Anyway, some random airport that's presumably up north somewhere uh, <laughs> <laughs> on Friday. Uh, this is coming in less than twenty-four hours after a chartered aircraft lost its tyres and landing gear at exactly the same airport. Uh, the Dana plane with registration number five. Uh, November Delta Echo Victor from Port. See, I've learnt I've learnt my uh, phonetic alphabet, especially mm. uh, from Port Harcourt. Used uh, its left wing to hit a fence while trying to park. <laughs> I don't think it meant to use said <laughs> thing, but anyway. No. Um, punch quoted scores. Sorry, punch quoted sources at the airport and passengers on board the flight uh, as saying that no injury was recorded while blaming the aircraft's pilot for the incident. The spokesperson for uh, FAAN, uh, Henrietta Yakabu, uh, confirmed the development to the newspaper, stating that the plane only hit a noisebreaker stationed on the tarmac. Now, what's a noisebreaker? Somebody explain that to me. Okay, good. Uh, she said there, <laughs> there are these things we put on the airside that we call noise. Bro- oh, explains. Sorry, that we call noise breakers. If you've ever seen at an airport, they're kind of a, a fence kind of design that's put up at airports, right? 
and um, they're supposed to dampen down the noise from jet aircraft. Oh, they're like okay. a funny, like a, imagine yeah. a lot of um, a blind, set of blinds, okay. yep. uh, sp- uh, specifically made to filter the loud noise. Okay, aircraft. yes. So, so as it sort of alludes to here, it says she, she said that these are things that we put uh, on the air side that we call noise breakers to stop noise and exhaust from getting to people. It's not really a fence, but they they are there just to act like pillars to reduce noise and fumes from exhaust pipes and the plane just scraped it uh, as it continued on its way <laughs> there is there is nothing to worry about uh, in regard to the incident it didn't affect the flight the plane continued and it parked it was the wing that scraped uh, that scraped the noise breaker and the plane continued until it was parked uh, this is officially one of the worst stories I've ever read as far as its uh, grammar and pr- everything is all concerned uh, the Spokesperson for Dana Air, uh, whose name I'm not even going to try and pronounce, also told Punch that the firm's engineers were working on the aircraft to ascertain the extent of the damage of the plane. He said that it is it is the wingtip that was affected, and our engineers are looking as it uh, at it to determine the extent of the damage. They will work on it tonight, Friday night, and I don't think the aircraft was parked where it, and I don't think the aircraft was parked where it will be where it will obstruct anything, it's a tip of the wing and it's not a serious issue. Well, surely any kind of grazing on wings and things is probably, you know, a cause for some major concern, surely. I mean, you know... Well, this this particular aircraft was uh, is, actually an M, is actually an MD-80 aircraft, right. a McDonnell Douglas MD-80 aircraft, and uh, I would imagine it's, it's fairly... I mean, uh, looking through its history, it used to belong to Avianca, many years ago back in 1992 so it's quite a few years old powered by Pratt Whitney's JT8D engines right. but um, obviously our aficionado of the Mad Dog or the MD-1890 uh, Captain Jeff would know more about things like that that's true Indeed. So oh I see Graham, was, Graham Haley was saying like that sometimes they're referred to as blast fences yes blast fences yeah, yeah very true oh, yeah. I see big red and white fences oh that's very good see, you can always rely on the on the old chat room to be able to sort of clear up mm. any confusion, can't you? So we, yeah, we wouldn't we wouldn't want to upset the chat room because they might start a fight, just like in the next story, Ooh. Nev. Oh, do you know it almost sounds planned? I know, I, I know, and uh, I'm sure uh, Matt's going to put up some video. Of this I which will, looks yes. like some yep. sort of uh, um, you know Norwich City football match or, or something like that. But uh, in fact, this is in the Mail Online, and it says that a group of Chinese airline passengers waiting to board their plane at a Japanese airport clashed with police on Wednesday after realising their plane had been cancelled. The passengers which is 175 in total claimed that they had not been informed of the cancellation by budget airline Jetstar Japan. It was later revealed that the announcement was only made in Japanese whilst the majority of the passengers on the plane bound for Shanghai only spoke Chinese. Well that's the instant (laughs) (laughs) just to say that's sort of the 101 you know situation isn't it? (laughs) Yes it is. Um, the incident occurred when 175 J- uh, Chinese passengers were expected to board Jetstar's Japan's flight uh, number GK35, scheduled to fly to Shanghai at 10.15pm. The plane had to be cancelled due to snowy weather in Shanghai, said Jetstar J- uh, Japan, uh, a budge airline company, it says. Nice. Um, <laughs> but actually, I think what I'm going to do, uh, just towards the end of this year, I think we should have a... Um, the, the biggest journalistic fails. Uh, and uh, right. This will, be, this will be amongst them. <laughs> this will be right yes. up there, will it, Ev? Yes. yes. <laughs> okay. a, a budge airline company. Right, very good. Um, yes. 
Five Japanese passengers had also been waiting for the flight, but they had left the airport after hearing the cancellation announcement in Japanese. Unaware of the situation, the Chinese passengers reportedly carried on waiting. The Chinese passengers claimed that the airline refused to provide food and overnight accommodation, leaving them stranded at Narita Airport near, near, near Tokyo, according to a post on Tokyo New Youth circulating on the Chinese social media. The Chinese embassy in Tokyo said it sent officers to control the situation. Uh, the airline later agreed to provide meals and replacement flights after they negotiated with the airline, according to a statement. And a spokesman from Jetstar told the Mail Online the staff provided meal vouchers, sleeping bags, water and crackers to the passenger. That's a bit uh, much. Crackers, isn't it? Bit pro- like uh, providing pass- fireworks is ridiculous. <laughs> Yes, indeed, absolutely. However, the spokesman did not explain if they were provided before or after the Chinese embassy stepped in. Um, But, uh, yeah, this is just a a massive fail, isn't it? I mean, how (laughs) difficult can it be uh, knowing that passengers might be from from two different nations to have uh, um, uh, announcements in both languages? Well, that is true. I I just, uh, the story just um, so amusing when I found it online. And, you know, I mean, can you imagine if, if you kicked off like this every time a Ryanair or EasyJet or any flight in the UK was cancelled? You know, oh, my, vl- my flight is cancelled. Fight! Fight! <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's right. You know, it'd be chaos oh, at the airports. Dear. You know, I mean, we all get a bit upset when the flight's delayed or cancelled. Mm. But, yeah. you know, it's, yeah. it's normally down to a, a pretty good reason why. Well, um, uh, yeah, I mean, the only thing that the Vickers, those of you who are watching the YouTube stream will have seen that we were playing the video. If you want to uh, uh, see it for yourself, if you take yourself to the dailymail.co.uk and search for Air Passengers Clash Police Japanese Airport, then you'll be able to find the story. It's, uh, it's where but, I get all my information. Well, of course, from, absolutely. Yeah. What, the Mail Online? Yes, I'm not yeah, at all surprised. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's, 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 it's one of those. It's a bit bizarre because the, the only thing that it doesn't make clear in said video is who started it. That's you, true. You, you do you do <laughs> wonder if maybe it was you know overzealous security, which is quite mm. often the case uh, with, with these things, isn't it? You know, sort of yeah. pushing around people. Uh, but uh, yeah, I mean that's just an epic fail. Not actually. Uh, giving the announcement in the language to which the people who were on the aeroplane can understand is, <laughs> yes. is you know, there's definitely an issue there somewhere, isn't there? Oh, yes. yeah. I didn't actually, I didn't know who Jetstar Japan, I mean Jetstar, I know the airline, but it's actually, um, it's hubs in Narita, but it's actually relatively a uh, new airline. Jetstar was founded in 2011, commenced operations 2012, has 21 aircraft in the fleet and flies to 14 destinations. But uh, yeah, headquarters in uh, Narita, Japan. Oh dear, Liz says. Liz says in the chat room there, do guys wearing budgie smugglers fly on budget airlines? Anyway, there we go. Uh, <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> well, I found that quite amusing. Sorry, just me. Uh, so uh, <laughs> moving on to the next story, and uh, this one is uh, quite a warm story. If you're living in a in a cool uh, part of the. Uh, the world, what the UK? Yeah, the, right. the UK. Yeah, <laughs> okay. but it's, it's also it's quite interesting. This one, I, I found this one as uh, uh, on one of the websites, and I thought it was quite interesting. Right, and could save much uh, much money for air, uh, airports okay. and runways. Right. And stuff. Can I have that in writing? So uh, this uh, is on the <laughs> Today dot com website, and uh, the headline: Could heated airport runways? melt away your winter travel headaches. So there has been thousands of flight delays and cancellations due to weather, uh, winter weather this year and the end of last year, and it's uh, we're only in January. Uh, Not only that, snow and ice at airports can send planes skidding off slippery runways. Uh, What if there was something that could fix all that? So at Des Moines International Airport in Iowa, 
Uh, today, National Investigative Correspondent Jeff Rosen got a look at the new technology in action of heated runways and tarmac. So uh, they have new stainless steel electrodes embedded within concrete, he says. And uh, they connect it to power, turn electricity on, which generates heat and melts the snow and ice away on the taxiways and runways. When Rosen tossed snow onto a slab of prototype heated runway, it melted into water within seconds. A thermal gun showed the heated pavement or concrete had a temperature of 62 degrees Fahrenheit. And in contrast to the 22 degrees Fahrenheit on the unheated pavement nearby. To put technology to a bigger test, snow was hauled from a Sleepy Hollow Sports Park and spread across the heated slabs. Instantly, the snow started to melt, taking less than 10 minutes to turn to water. The research team estimated the technology would cost about $200 million to install in uh, the most congested of areas of an average-sized airport. But over time, they added it could save airlines and airports and passengers up to $273 million. Sayland said the heated concrete could also be used on sidewalks, bridges, parking lots and even highways to prevent winter accidents. Now, I think this is a really good idea. It is. Yeah, I, I mean, th- for I those of us is, who yeah. have heated windscreens in our vehicles or cars or rear yeah. screens, I mean, some uh, cars here in the UK, manufacturers have heated front windscreens. Yeah, Fords um, mainly, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Is um, the banana got a heated front windscreen just out of interest? It has, yeah, and it, more it importantly, is. it's got a heated steering wheel as well. Oh, has it? Oh, of course. Well, but the banana is super-powered at the end of the day, so that doesn't yes. surprise me. But uh, but what an awesome idea. It you is. Know, you've yeah. got yeah, great, sn- snow yeah. build-up on yeah. your taxiways and runways, yeah. flick a switch, you know, there we go. Ten minutes later, you've got away, clear runways. Sort of nice, clean, I mean, yeah. imagine all the equipment it would save having to send out the, yeah. the snow. I mean, it sounds like £200 million per airport. It obviously, I mean, you know, that's, that's, a, lot not, of money. that's <laughs> not a small... It's not something you find down the back of the sofa. I don't think even Richard Branson would find those kind of figures down the back of the sofa. But as you say, if, if you compare that with the amount of delays that are caused by the fact that a mm. runway is completely iced up, I mean, actually, even if you had very, very heavy snow, but you left it on, I mean, you know, it would sort of, all right, it might take it sort of 20, it's going to be faster than even trying to scrape all the snow off, isn't it? I mean, it's, I think it would pay for itself in no time, you know. Graham Haley's just pointed out, quite a good fact, or point actually there, Graham said that 10 minutes late, you probably probably have flooded runways. Well, I'd hope that they've got uh, some sort of drainage uh, on the runways. Yeah, mind you, as he says, though, I suppose the trouble is, is that although the, the runway itself, is heated and therefore the water you know the the drains that it's all running into may not necessarily be unfrozen it depends mm. on i don't know i mean but again i, I guess idea. that's something you could you would have to idea. look into in the, in yeah. the long run but uh, what are your thoughts on this uh, nev great idea i think it's a it will be a huge benefit and yeah there's obviously some installation cost and there's some running yeah. cost of it but actually the the um yeah. uh, delays that will be avoided will be fantastic so i think it's a really really good idea and i think there'll be some um, certainly in uh, i would think we might be seeing this in the scandinavian countries at yeah. some point and certainly places like minneapolis um in uh, in the us and chicago and places that and, and obviously canada as well that really do get the uh, yeah. the snow and ice so uh, yeah be interesting to see what happens and of course i know i know, I know we're not 
we don't like to mention that word football, do we, Carlos? I'm so sorry. Uh, but of course, uh, you know, football stadiums have had like heated uh, pitches for a very mm. long time. And of course, it, it has more or less made it so that snow isn't a problem. Not so much here, obviously, because we don't get snow, we get snow, as Carlos always says. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it, it's one of those. I mean, it, it's clearly the, the way forward. I mean, oh, yeah. you know, it is, and it's so pay for itself really quickly when you think the, because I mean, £200 million sounds like a lot of money, but I dare say these, these delays mount up really quickly. Yeah. Especially, as you say, like in Canada and the States where you do get a lot of snow. You know, but uh, whether you could then generate enough to anyway, it's, you know. It's, Mariana's asked in the chat room, Nev, um, why you don't uh, own a Ford Mustang. Oh, yeah. Well, if you get, if you're going to buy a Ford Mustang, you've got to have the five liter V8 one, haven't you? Really, you can't muck about with this two point three <laughs> business. <laughs> uh, but of course, the price of gas here is just horrific. It's uh, equivalent of about eight dollars a gallon compared to the US. Right, so, well, uh, yeah. yes, I, I couldn't really use that as a daily driver. I don't think. I must. I must. <laughs> you, you were looking at one. Wasn't there one at Seething? I think that you were sniffing at somewhere. We were. We were yeah, I was. Yeah, yeah, and actually in <laughs> Pittsburgh, uh, uh, Liz and I um, had a go in one as well. As well. You did. Um, so, uh, yeah, that was really, really good, actually. Yeah. How on earth have we got onto Ford Mustang? Sorry, sorry, oh, no, no, no. We've gone from an, an aviation show to a car yeah, show. That's it. Yeah. Oh. yeah, well, you see, new Top Gear is rubbish, isn't it? So, yeah. Yeah, so yeah. Ro- roll on the Grand Tour. Anyway, sorry, so the next story. On, the is next story is a bit, a bit of a tech story is for you, Matt. Okie next dokie. One. Okay, well, mm. then, if it's a tech story, I might stand a chance of understanding it. This is on The Sun. Oh, dear. Right, so The Sun newspaper. Brace yourself, everyone. Happy Days is the headline. You'll see what they did there uh, you'll soon be able to check the length of airport security queues before leaving home now that is an interesting thing uh, there's nothing worse than getting stuck in airport security queue for hours and hours on end i do hope they have this running up and running before next this coming friday that would be handy uh, there's a pint with your name on it at the terminals where the spoons but all you're doing is inching along the uh, the inching along behind the marlon queue of grumpy holidaymakers but now there's an app that can let you plan the amount of time needed to get through the airport comfortably. Uh, TripIt lets people check the size of the queues at security before they've even got to the airport, reports Travel and Leisure. The new addition to the Travel app monitors airport security queues in real time by using sensors to track travellers' movements in the queues. It will let you know how long it takes for you to get to your gate down to the minute, not factoring in any stops at the bar along the way of course. Uh, The app will also uh, let you know which queues are fastest when you get to security. Jen Moyles from TripIt said wasted time at the airport really adds up, especially for frequent travellers. The the latest addition to TripIt Pro brings up one step closer, uh, brings us sorry, one step closer to our goal of getting you out of the door and to your gate as fast as possible. Uh, At present, the app can only tell you about weights at a handful of US airports, such as Orlando International and Denver International, but there are plans to roll it out across more locations in the future. There is a subscription fee of $49 a year, that's £34 in sterling, which will be worth it if you're a frequent flyer. Sun Online previously revealed that XB 
expert travellers have let slip out have have let slip how choosing the correct queue ahead of your flight can make a massive difference during peak times. The stress of air travel often means that we we have to we have to try and rush through security checks without paying much attention. But this could actually cause travellers to get stuck in slower queues. But apparently, we subconsciously pick the, which side to line up on depending on our dominant hand so queues are often less busy on the left the travel expert uh, also explained that some airports have an extra security line for spillover passengers located to the side of the main queues and it rarely gets busy another user of frequent traveler sorry another user of frequent traveler provided a cunning hack to prevent travellers from waiting too long for their luggage when they arrive at their destination. Now, of course, this this story is like uh, now my my experience of security, which I must admit is not great because I don't do as much flying as as you guys, and especially uh, Nev, of course. But you don't really get much of a say about which queue you you join. Mm, Certainly you at Stansted, you mm. get more or less. So it's saying you know where it's saying here about you could you know go down right down the far end because it's quite often not that busy. Mm. You don't really get a say in it. There's usually a a marshal that sort of directed there's you into There's lots of queues. pointing and shouting, isn't there, at, uh, at security there queues? There is. You yeah. that. Agreed. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> a lot of noise. I mean, uh, well, hmm. I mean, what's your? Ex- I mean, obviously, Nev, you, out of all of us, you do more flying than, than than anyone else. I mean, how do you find security in general? I think since obviously nine eleven, everything's changed, hasn't it? Let's be yeah. honest, and um, it's we're never going to go back to the uh, how it used to be. Where that they are improving things are uh, trying to get people through the whole thing quicker. And I think yeah. one of the best experiences I've seen is uh, recently is at Edinburgh Airport. They really? really do try to push people through as fast as they can, and they do a pretty good job there. And Glasgow the other week uh, when I was there too, Heathrow is always going to be slow because it, it's just, just so many people. Airport, there, yeah. but uh, smaller regional airports, I would imagine, like Norwich, for example, yeah. uh, will be a lot easier to, to, to get through. And also, the, the people are a bit nicer. I've, I've noticed that yeah. the smaller the airport is, that the friendlier they are. I usually, um, so. I used to do reasonable fl- amounts of flying into and out of Derry Airport, and actually, my experience mm. of security at Derry was very pleasant because, again, as you say it's smaller teams; they're much friendlier. You know, they they sort of they they're still doing. They're probably in some respects they're being more stringent because mm. uh, Derry is the only place where I've ever had my bag swabbed, you know, where yeah. they've sort mm. of gone through yeah. and, and all that kind of thing. So actually, you know, I, 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 but I suppose we're all quite well behaved as far as security is concerned. And, and I'm, I think I speak for all three of us and certainly everybody in the chat room here where I would not leave it till the last minute to get through security. So, yeah. if, I mean, if you if the first thing you do is make sure you, that you're going through the security gates two hours before your flight is due, then, you know, by sheer definition, you've got plenty of time to get through, haven't you? I mean, this is... I mean, most people get to airports within, with plenty of time to spare. I mean, if, if the app is going to show you the size of the queues, I suppose yeah, it's handy. you can plan. Would um, that be no good to you or I here, or, you know, where you're two and three, you know, an hour and three quarters away from, say, Stansted? Three years away from the nearest airport. Yeah, absolutely. Because yeah. so, that could have very much gone up by the time you yeah. leave here and, and suddenly you haven't got enough time to get through. But, uh, I mean, have you have you had any nightmare stories, Nev, as far as going through security? Because you've done some sort of worldwide travel as well, haven't you? 
Yeah, I, I think that, the, well, basically the, the thing is just to, to behave yourself. You know, yeah. d don't try and enter into any sort of jokey discussion no. <laughs> with no. people like that because you, yeah. you're just going to be slow. The only thing I did have, I may have mentioned this before on the show, that um, one year I was flying back from uh, Gothenburg to uh, Heathrow uh, on uh, SAS. Um, or actually, it was British Airways, actually. Yeah, it was BA. And uh, they said, oh, uh, we've overbooked the flight. Would you like to um, uh, take, I think it was about, four or five hundred pounds euros uh, in cash oh, wow. to take the next flight which will go via manchester so we'll get back home about two hours later i thought well, that'd be quite handy wouldn't it um, yeah. but um so having agreed to do that i said yeah just go downstairs and uh, we'll get you a new ticket so i did that just as i did that they were screaming my name over the pa asking me to come back upstairs um because they'd actually found a slot for me on the flight oh, so i went all the way it. down there <laughs> we had to go through security again oh no and it's now busier it's friday night everyone wants to get home and i was uh, a bit cross i have to say I bet, um so uh, yeah that, that's probably the worst thing but that that wasn't security's fault per se no uh, it was the airline's fault for uh, although being, uh, what, would have, what would have been interesting is if you hadn't have made that flight what they would have done if you'd have got caught in security trying to get back it back to the gate a bit of an interesting to see what they would have done. <laughs> I'm sure, knowing my luck, they would have got. Oh well, you've missed your flight. You have to buy a new ticket. Well, this is and, it. And yeah. by the way, we're not giving you the, the 500, 500 euros, euros anymore. No, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. No, that's uh, that's kind of what I feared. I, th I yes. think absolutely. We anyway, know how it works. Uh, don't we? Yeah. You're you're yeah. next up, sir, and it's a Bombardier story. Yes, well, firstly, I, I think this is the story of the week, um, mainly because of the number of different pronunciations of uh, Bombardier. There's, There's only one pronunciation. In, in, in the news. <laughs> There's only one pronunciation, but I won't do it. It's fine. Well, I'm sure you will during the course uh, of the article. And, okay. of course, yes, we all know it's all about Canada's uh, plane maker, uh, Bombardier, who secured a huge win this week uh, with its ongoing trade dispute with Boeing. The U.S. International Trade Commission voted you unanimously on Friday that Boeing was not harmed by Bombardier uh, and sorry I'm doing a Matt Smith there aren't I but Bombardier and Bombardier it, sorry there we are it's all right I've got to have my I system knew, now it's I fine yeah sorry. and it's, it's all new C-series jet. Um, the vote effectively shelves two tariffs totaling nearly 300% that the US uh, Commerce Department wanted to impose on Bombardier. Uh, the uh, <laughs> Boeing, the <laughs> American aerospace giant claims uh, Canada's Bombardier unfairly benefited from government bailout subsidies. Boeing said that those funds allow Bombardier to sell its new C-series airlines to Delta Airlines at absurdly low prices in violation of of US trade rules. Delta in 2016 ordered up to 125 of the 110-seat C-series jets. Deliveries were expected to begin in spring 2018, but those plans are in question pending the outcome of the case. Whilst Boeing's claim of harm comes as the Trump's administration strikes an aggressive uh, posture on trade, the ITC appointees were all chosen by either President Barack Obama or George W. Bush. Boeing, in a statement, said it was disappointed that the International Trade Commission did not recognise the harm that Boeing had suffered from the billions of dollars in illegal government subsidies that the Department of Commerce found Bombardier uh, re received <laughs> and used to dump aircraft in the US small single aisle 
aeroplane market. Whilst we disagree with the ITC's conclusion today, well, we, we will review the Commission's more detailed opinions as they uh, in full as they are released in the coming days, it said. Boeing can appeal the case to either the Court of International Trade, which is part of the US federal court system, or to a review panel uh, organised under the NAFTA. Uh, Bombardier shares jumped more than 15% after the ruling, and the trade case which was filed in April has reshaped the commercial aerospace uh, landscape. Just to recap then, the dispute forced uh, Bombardier into the arms of uh, Boeing's chief rival Airbus and uh, Bombardier and the European uh, aerospace giant announced plans in October to give 50.01% of control to the C-Series programme to Airbus as part of the strategic tie-up. The chief executives of Bombardier and Airbus were meeting uh, Friday in Montreal to discuss the integration of the two plane makers. So I think this is is an absolutely landmark story uh, this this week it between uh, the U.S. government and uh, Bombardier, and therefore all the jobs uh, in Canada and also in Northern Ireland, in particular, where the uh, the wings are made uh, there. So uh, yeah, absolutely enormous news. And I think, um, without being political about it, I think this is this has been a sensible outcome, uh, really, don't you? Mm. I, yeah. I, 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 I think it's gone on. Yeah. It's got. It's, it's sort of done its term now, Nev. Yeah. This uh, this whole sort of situation and stuff between the uh, between the t the big plane makers. So I mean, I'm a little bit out of the loop on this story. So I don't. I, don't, I mean, is it is is it this this whole? He says trying not to get himself into trouble when he mentions the word Trump. Um, but uh, is this one of these sort of like trying to protect American interests? Essentially, is that is that what this? Yeah, the, the, it, 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 it's that's what it's been about. But actually, yeah. I think it's been a bit odd because Boeing don't make, <coughs> I don't think, 110 seat uh, aircraft. Yeah. Um, so actually, they're they're not really competing with with no. Boeing in that in that market per se. So yeah. I think that to say that uh, it's uh, anti-competitive is probably not right because they're just not comparing just not apples right. with yeah. apples here at all. No, indeed. But then the, this this does rather sort of highlight um the absurdness of of some of these trade rules in general doesn't it really mm, i mean it's yeah, as you definitely. say you you have got to literally compare like with light otherwise it isn't it isn't competition is it no, anyway right. yeah. indeed so the next story is on flight globals uh, awesome website flight uh, flightglobal.com and headline canada investigates beach 1900d runway excursion at toronto so Canada's Transportation Safety Board, the TSB, is investigating a runway excursion. That's a bank, isn't it? <laughs> the TSB. Uh -huh. <laughs> that occurred as uh, Air Georgian Beach 1900D turboprop was attempted to take off from Toronto Pearson International Airport on the 21st of January. The incident occurred around 2048 local time and involved Flight 7298, a Air Canada code share service from Toronto to Hartford, according to flight schedules and the TSB. During takeoff from runway 6 left, the aircraft lined up uh, to the left of the runway center line and began to take off the takeoff roll. The TSB tells Flight Global the incident happened after that. The TSB provides no other details about the actual incident, but it is sending a team to Toronto to investigate. No injuries were reported and the 19-seat uh, aircraft subsequently returned to the gate, says the TSB. The aircraft operating the flight was a Beechcraft 1900D with registration Charlie Golf Oscar Romeo November, according to FlightRadar24.com. 
Air Georgian says the flight was preparing to take off Sunday evening when one of its tyres crossed off the main runway onto an adjoining taxiway. The takeoff was halted and after a safety inspection the aircraft was returned to the terminal. The cause is under investigation by the TSB, so no additional details are available, the airline adds. Neither Air Canada nor the Toronto Pearson International Airport responded immediately to requests for more information. So, um, obviously runway excursions are not uncommon, they do happen, uh, generally tend to be reported quite uh, uh, frequently on the Aviation Herald, which is obviously an awesome website. And um, it's, it's, I think this is one of those things that happens, uh, Nev, and obviously this didn't uh, have any bad outcome, but um, obviously everything has to be investigated by the uh, relevant um, people, either the yes. NTSB. Run yeah. runway excursions, don't do them, because they're never good. Uh, <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Indeed. Especially, especially that one we saw the other week, uh, down the down the bank there. Um, so, uh, yes. Yeah, yes. And, uh, yes. but of course, yes. you know, yeah. the prevailing weather conditions or incorrect setup of the aircraft, or all sorts of things uh, can contribute to it, can't it? So, uh, yeah. Yeah, there's, uh, I think the investigation into that particular incident is still ongoing for the, uh, the Pegasus one that we covered a few weeks. For the, really? Yeah, the one that uh, went um, off the cliff. Rock yeah. climbing. Yeah, it, say. it went rock um, climbing, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> As you do. As you do. <laughs> so the next story, uh, Matt, is... Yeah, this, uh, is, this is a slightly you. interesting one, really, actually. And American Airlines just made a stunning decision that changes everything about travelling in coach. So uh, coach Clark used to be the great equaliser, but now there's coach and then there's really coach. <laughs> <laughs> economy or really economy. yeah basically yeah. yeah yeah so there are the premium coach passengers up front who enjoy basic perks that once upon a time were available to everyone on board then there are the unwashed masses in really coach were uh, looking with envy <laughs> toward the folks ahead of them in premium recently american airlines made an announcement that made the division between the two coaches even more stark but it even but it turns out that they also made a decision Decision that sort of upends the whole model. First, the new perks, then the upending. Uh, passengers in the premium economy section that American calls uh, main cabin area will be entitled to free alcoholic drinks plus dedicated overhead bin space. The bin space is on the honor system, as my colleague. Uh, or, uh, sorry, this is talking about the newspaper, so I won't say as my colleague because it's not you or Nev. Uh, but uh, meanwhile, the upending also has to do with the honour system because American says that when passengers from Really Coach spot empty seats in the main cabin area and rush to grab them, they won't be stopped. Instead, they'll be allowed to settle in the roomier seats and enjoy the free booze and the baggage space, even though they didn't pay for any of it. Mm. Uh, this isn't really a matter of turning a blind eye either. In fact, America's Americans specifically say, sorry, Americans specifically says passengers are allowed to improve their station in life by moving up the the main cabin extra, aka MCE. At least according to a copy of the guidance it issued to its flight crews, which was obtained by view from the wing. Uh, so the article that, that they're talking about, outside of complimentary beer, wines and spirits, what does MCE include? In addition to complimentary beer, wine and spirits, MCE seats will receive preferential boarding, additional legroom and reserved overhead bin space. Can customers move into the open MCE seats once boarding is complete? 
Yes, once the door is closed, customers are allowed to move to any available seat within their ticketed cabin. No change of current, no change to current procedure, which is mm. interesting. Uh, other airlines put their flight attendants in the position of having to act like traffic cops when really coach passengers try to promote themselves to the class of travel formerly known as coach. Last year, for example, United Airlines kicked a couple out who were travelling to their wedding off a plane for trying to move from basic economy to premium. Things did not end well. It disputed. Uh, it's disputed whether the airline called the cops. Uh, so one might guess that American flight attendants are happy with the new policy, assuming that they would rather not have to pay play police at thirty thousand feet. But this is the decision a good thing for passengers? So yeah, well, let's throw that open to the chat room. I mean, the whole thing is a bit. I, I, I don't know. I, 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 you would never get away with this on on any other airline. I mean, if you no. if you book an economy uh, ticket with I don't know any of the large UK based airlines such as Virgin yeah. or BA, I don't think they're going to let you just stroll into premium economy, sit yourself down. You know, if those seats are empty, what what do you reckon, Nev? No, absolutely not. I mean, they're very strict about this sort of thing. And, and quite rightly, too, because, you know, people have paid an awful lot of money for those yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. uh, premium yeah. seats wh- wherever they are. Um, and I still think that there are some people on flights that I get onto sometimes, people just think they can sit wherever they like. They don't even yeah. bother to look at the, no. the seat number. They just say, oh, it's a nice seat, isn't it? I think yeah. I'll sit here. <laughs> and they're no, right no. At, the, at the front it's... of the aircraft. I mean, how, I mean, that would be so. It'd be nice if you could. I mean, can you imagine strolling on board an Emirates? Let's just say, for instance, the new triple seven three hundred CR, the yeah. first suite, the you know, the first class no, suite. To be Emirates. fair, they are they, they're only saying like <laughs> in the same class, aren't they? I they, know. they do spe- specify that you can't just move from there to first class or something. Like and that, uh, I mean, trust the Dutch to come up with excellent solutions to these things. Masha says in the chat room, just let the, the, just let the passengers fight it out. What could go wrong? What yeah, a brilliant so, idea. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I can't. <laughs> problem with that at all that's absolutely yes. champion yes absolutely you have, see, have the big inflatable kind of you know like the the things oh, well, like gladiators, gladiators right? yeah, 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 yeah. yeah yeah you have your, your jousting sticks yeah. and off you go oh. yeah. I, they used to be big <laughs> cottons they used to be i used to call them big cotton buds didn't you know when, oh. yeah, it sounds like a jet about. two flight oh stop it honestly <laughs> <laughs> anyway anyway moving moving on uh, to the next story, which is Nev. Yeah. yeah, this story. is a really interesting story, and one that I uh, I'm always amazed how much difference uh, weight makes to aircraft um, fuel consumption and, and this kind of thing. And this is on the Traveler.com.au, so it's Australian, and it says, "What difference can 28 grams make on a plane?" Well, if you are United Airlines with 4,000 flights, 4,500 flights a day, it can add up. The Chicago-based carrier said it recently began printing its in-flight magazine Hemisphere on lighter paper, cutting 28 grams from each magazine. It now weighs 194 grams. In an internal message to employees, United said that it also switched to lighter paper on its seatback service guides. The carrier operates 744 mainline planes that vary in size, carrying 50 to 366 passengers each. For a typical 737 plane carrying 179 passengers, the reduction would mean about 5 kilos per flight. The airline said that slight weight reduction is saving 643,000 litres of fuel every year, or 290 thousand US dollars. Last year, 
United stopped on-board sales of duty-free items such as perfumes, chocolates and liquor, cutting 5.2 million litres of fuel per year at a cost saving of $2.3 US million per year. The airline began introducing more fuel-efficient Boeing 787 Dreamliners to its fleet in 2014 and the airline now has ordered a total of 49 Dreamliners and has received 31 so far. The Dreamliner, the first commercial aircraft made from carbon fibre rather than aluminium offers fuel savings of 20% compared to previous aircraft according to Boeing. It has since introduced the aircraft to its Australian routes flying Sydney to Los Angeles, Sydney to San Francisco and Melbourne to Los Angeles using Dreamliners. Earlier this month it began began non-stop flights from Sydney to Houston a 15 hour 40 minute flight which takes 17 and a half hours on the return leg and the new 13,850 kilometre route is ranked the world fourth longest commercial flight by distance so yeah it's amazing how much uh, fuel saving and efficiency you can get just mm. by removing uh, all sorts of things from the aircraft yeah. um, so and you add it up over a cost of the total of a year and it's a huge saving yeah i think you, you tend generally tend not to think about just how much weight savings you can make on an aircraft just by doing small things like using different grammage of paper and stuff. Well, well and also, I mean, I know it was a story that, that we covered not that long ago, and of course they're talking where a lot of people are thinking, well, why don't they just take out the IFE? Yeah, take out the uh, screens, the, yeah, you know, see screens. Because let's be honest, you know, one, one server or one data uh, mm. storage facility and a decent Wi-Fi system, everybody's got tablets as long as they've got the ability to charge their devices. Um, you know, that's got to say, because they're carrying their tablets with them anyway, you know, it's just like because all you the, need is all you need is USB ports, you know, mm. to, to to charge in, in in the head seat. You know, if you had somewhere so you could clip it, that would be the only thing that I'd quite like. So you could clip it to the back of the seat yes. in front of you, yeah. rather than trying to put it on your tray table or something. Yeah. Like. But again, you can save lots of weight from that. So because I mean, you know, it's, it's all low voltage as well. It's only five volts that you yeah. need to push around the cabin rather than mm. mains. Virtually everybody. I mean, there's very few people who are sort of charging their laptops during a flight these days. Isn't yeah. It? You know, you don't really Did you know that an in-flight um, IFE system uh, saves about yeah. 544 kilos off an aeroplane's weight? Wow. Um, so that's uh, just over half a ton. So it's really significant, isn't it? It is. It yeah. is a huge number. When you think it? that most pilots now have uh, EFBs. Uh, rather than paper charts, you know, yeah. you don't yeah. you don't see so many pilots carrying around huge no. flight bags no, full of charts and maps and and stuff like that. Everything is done on on electronic flight bags or, yeah. or tablets, tablets and things. Um, yeah. So I mean, when the when the aircraft designers like Boeing and Airbus and Bombardier and all the other manufacturers are designing aircraft, weight is the big thing. It is absolutely. if they can save yeah. weight, you know, burns less fuel. You know, agreed. The, the savings are, are passed on all all the way down. Very much so, yeah. Mm. Uh, so that is where we bring the commercial news segment to a close. Uh, for those of you listening, uh, especially Jonathan Warner, if you're uh, listening <laughs> to the show, which he probably is, uh, whilst he's driving somewhere um, for the audio podcast, indeed, uh, we do have some military news stories. We do indeed, and those will be coming up very very shortly after these quick messages. Find this and other great shows at the Aviation Media Network. Thevoicesinyourhead.com
The Plane Talking UK podcast is a voluntary project that aims to keep you informed with the latest aviation-related stories from newswires across the globe. Producing our content does cost money, though. If you enjoy our show, why not help us keep on the air by making a donation towards the server and website hosting fees through PayPal. Any contributions would be greatly appreciated. Are you an Amazon user? If so, why not do your shopping through the link on our website? There's no cost to yourself, and Amazon pay us a small referral fee on qualifying purchases. To find out more about the show and to meet the team, take yourself to our website website www.plaintalkinguk.com or find us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash plaintalkinguk on Twitter via at plaintalkinguk or get in touch via email on podcast at plaintalkinguk.com Thanks, Thanks for, for listening. listening. Fly B5823 Trent Dane for 23 Manchester Wizz Air 6X Client Flight Level 210 Direct to Bretman's Park United, one, two, three, maintain two, eight, zero knots. Jump into TME, turn right onto Bravo, link, two, one, join, alpha, hold at Mora, speedbird, four, seven, two, LOC, slash TME, approach runway, two, seven, left. Follow the green stand, five, four, four. That's enough air traffic control for today, Nat. Bedtime. Have you ever wondered what it would be like to fly a commercial passenger jet? Looked up at the sky and thought, I wish that was me? Well, now anyone has the chance to have a go at flying in a real aircraft simulator. NP Simulations and Flight Experience London, the only official Boeing-licensed product of its kind in the UK, offer you the chance to fly anywhere in the world in their fixed-base Boeing 737-800 Flight Simulator. And that's not all. Ground School London offers many different courses for the up-and-coming pilot looking for a start in aviation. With prices starting at just £109, the sky's the limit. So, for the ultimate flight simulator experience, or engaging preparatory courses, including those for schools and colleges, check out the websites at www.london.flightexperience.co.uk and www.groundschoollondon.com or call on 020 300 40 616. NP Simulations. Fly your dreams. And we're back. We are indeed. Yes, hello yes, everyone. Hello, everyone. Yes. Sorry about that. Matt needs to blow his nose again, so Indeed. I thought I'd better just play the adverts. And, and I, I was busy on Flight Radar 24 <laughs> just tracking, oh, really? tracking my daddy. Oh, are you? Right. Where's, uh, where's dad off to? Anywhere dad else? is off to Tenerife at the moment. Is he's, he? Yeah, oh, he's oh, off to Tenerife. And, da- and he's actually flying on, on a... On a, on a, uh, uh, a what should we say? Antique aircraft. I think Nick An would put this antique like. Antique aircraft. Yeah, he's okay. on. Uh, he's on a Boeing seven five seven two hundred. One of right. uh, an ex uh, Britannia X Air two thousand uh, uh, Britannia aircraft, which is now operated by TUI. Uh, he's actually just coming over uh, the coast of Portugal. Wow. Yeah, at the moment, on his way Gosh, down to Tenerife. That sounds like quite an old school aircraft. Oh yeah, this the one he's on at the moment. Actually, according to uh, to the. Uh, Flight Radar 24 is 14 years old. Wow. 14 okay. years old. Indeed. So it's <laughs> not that old, though, is it? Ba- barely running, really. It's barely it? running, yeah. yeah. It's barely yeah. running. <clears throat> and, uh, yeah, he's at 37,000 feet, according to this. Right, okay. You are such a plain guy. I know. I know I, know. I know I shouldn't <laughs> be surprised after all these years, but, you know, it's just like you, you, your levels of geekness do frighten me at, uh, on some occasions. It does I, It does seem like stalking. It has to I be just, said. I, I, I just love <laughs> the fact when you can, you can track, you know, when you 
your family members are on on their right. holes, okay. um, which I've done with you before, Matt. Yeah. Is, you know, you can sort of think, oh, there he is. He's um, so and so at flight level, something right. or other. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, just out of interest, is there much of a delay? Yes, Philip. By the way, yes, that is right one, Philip. Well done. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. Ooh, ooh, dear. Oscar Bravo, Echo. Yeah. Okay. Right. Anyway. Uh, yes. What uh, great things. Oh, great things. Yes. Yes. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> so we have got uh, some military news to do. So, uh, if everyone's ready. Yes. 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 We are. So the I can I think of several story. people who literally won't be able to believe that we're actually. I doing know, I know. Anyway, there we are. Hello, Mr. Warner. Well, done. anyway, right. moving on. Uh, the first. Uh, I still think that was the highlight of the two hundred for me was when he was walking, walking past, past our, this. Our, what we what we ended up calling the grit the the uh, the goldfish bowl, wasn't it? Where yeah. where we were doing the thing, and they were what he was walking no past what no military on his bit of plat holding it up. To anyway, sorry, yes. So on. the uh, the yeah. first uh, the first story in this segment this week is on the bbcnews.co.uk website and uh, Shetland radar base nearing completion so the new Royal Air Force radar facility that will track Russian military aircraft approaching the north of the UK will be operational soon the MOD has said Ooh. the uh, 10 million pound remote radar head facility is being built at Saxavord on the island of Unst in Shetland it will provide key information on aircraft movements across the North Sea and feed the Quick Reaction Alert, or QRA, operation. The latest QRA uh, launch last week saw Royal Air Force Typhoons intercept uh, two Russian bombers. The Royal Air Force monitored the Russian Blackjack jets as they passed through international airspace before the Typhoons from RAF Lossiemouth escorted them out of the UK's area of interest. The Russian aircraft, which uh, had not responded to air traffic controllers, did not enter UK sovereign airspace. There have been 59 QRA launches in the past five years. The MOD said the new radar base would improve Royal Air Force and NATO understanding of the airspace north of Britain uh, and further out across the Norwegian Sea at a time of increased Russian military activity. It will see UNST return to the role it performed during the 1960s and 70s when the site was used as an early warning radar on NATO's northern flank. The facility will be operated remotely by Royal Air Force personnel with contractors only attending the site for maintenance. It was visited on Friday by Air Chief Marshal Sir Stephen Hillier, the head of the Royal Air Force, who paid tribute to the construction team who've been working at the remote site throughout the winter. He said the radar system at Saxavord is an important part of ensuring that the Royal Air Force can fully protect the UK's airspace and that our NATO's allies in the face of increasing pressure from Russia. Right at the tip of Shetland, Saxavord is a very remote site, so I'm extremely grateful to the team who've been working hard throughout the cold winter with snow and 120 mile an hour gales to ensure the construction has remained on schedule. He was speaking at the uh, as UK Defence Secretary Gavin Wilson warned in the Daily Telegraph that Russia could uh, cause thousands and thousands and thousands of deaths by crippling UK infrastructure. Mr Williamson said Moscow was spying on energy supplies which 
which, if cut, could cause total chaos in the UK, adding that, this, uh, that it was the real threat faced by the country. So it's good news. We've got uh, a little bit of kit up there, way up north, uh, protecting our skies over the north of the UK. Obviously, we have, yeah. as the story said, seen some uh, some of our friends across the uh, sea there in Russia coming over to see us uh, <laughs> to give us a little wave from uh, right. the flight yes, decks, yes. which uh, flirting with our shores. flirting with our shores. Yes, but indeed. it's always good to know that we have got uh, you know our quick reaction force ready to uh, fly off with the typhoons to intercept if yeah. needed. Yeah, so <laughs> there's there's much that worries me about these these types of stories, really. And every single time that that you get, and it is you. I'm sorry to say, it does usually seem to be the Russian, um, you know, sort of. Well, no one else plays. wants to come and see us. Well, there is that. No, it's. It, I didn't realise that you know Anglo-Russian relations were so strong that they felt like they needed to visit on such regular mm. basis. Yeah. Uh, but uh, there we are. That's all part of the love. Sorry, ne- poor Nev's died. Poor Nev. Right, Nev's, Nev. Nev's caught Matt's man flu. Yeah. Who'd have thought um, that was possible through Skype? Through Skype. That yeah. must be one yeah. of the new. That, that's uh, that's what of... that software update was yes. all about. You see. Oh, I yes. see. It, it now passes viruses between us. Oh, oh dear. <laughs> Hopefully not Apparently. computer ones. No, no. Indeed. Anyway. we'll gloss over that. And move on. Yeah. yeah Absolutely. So the next story, this is on the Drive website, and the headline is the USAF still can't get the new AC-130J Ghost Rider's 30mm cannon to work reliably. That's always good news, isn't it? So the US Air Force says that the first of its newest AC-130J Ghost Rider gunships are ready for combat just as soon as they can train enough crews to fly them. A new report from the Pentagon's top testing office says that while that assessment might be technically true, the aircraft's 30mm and 105mm guns continue to suffer from poor accuracy, unreliable ammunition and other significant issues. Earlier in January 2018, the Pentagon's office of the the Director of Operational Test and Evaluation, which oversees that work across the services, released its latest report covering various testing activities during the 2017 fiscal year. This routine review uh, touches on the progress of dozens of different weapons programs, including the AC-130J, highlighting both successes and failures. Uh, although analysis is ongoing, preliminary data from the I.O. T&E, initial operational and test evaluation, indicate that the Block 20 uh, AC-130Js will support most elements of the close air support and air indiction and interdiction missions. The section of the report of the Ghost Rider notes up front, but some shortfalls remain. One of these is... Uh, glaring giving the aircraft's role as a gunship is that the fire control systems associated with the plane's 30mm GAU 23-A cannon from Orbital ATK uh, the weapon system still has trouble compensating for changes in altitude and how the uh, AC-130J is orientated towards the target as it flies in one of its typical pylon turn attack Runs now. This is the, one of the things I won't go on because obviously uh, uh, there's there's a sort of mm. I, I have a problem with them making this kind of information public. Yes, yeah, at of this stage, why would you want to? Uh, well, we'll use the Russians as an example. Um, you know, why would we've you got want a gunship? To... But it's a yeah, bit, it's a bit. Yeah, naff. we've got a gunship, but it's a bit rubbish at the moment. So, um, I mean, why? Why would you? Why would this become public knowledge? I mean, I can understand if this was twenty five years ago and it's become 
public knowledge because of a Freedom of Information Act, you know, request or something like that. But why is stuff like this being discussed openly? I don't, I don't get it. I mean, for for, for the people uh, obviously listening or watching, the um, most people have seen the the, the Hercules in its uh, kind of transport uh, military transport role, but. Uh, uh, if you if you go onto YouTube and you watch the videos on the the AC one thirty J Ghost Rider, I mean this is a the the, the ones because it's been it's been in the process or in the um, production for a little while. Uh, it's one heck of a gunship, you know. This thing's got some pretty hefty armament on. Uh, there are some really good videos on YouTube of this one in action, uh, in you know in actual proper uh, mission action, um, and it's it is a hefty bit of kit. I have to yeah. say I haven't seen one of these up close close to hand but i'm pretty yeah. sure uh jonathan warner has probably seen or been close to one of the uh these ac 130j's mm. the ghost rider but um uh, just on the actual subject of that jonathan if you want to buy one of these you can grab one for about 115 million dollars oh, oh, oh yes i'm sure he'll be writing his checkbook immediately yes but uh, no I, I i see your point matt though yeah if saying uh, you know when you're developing yeah. de developing a new piece of equipment especially something to do with the military um, I suppose you try, kind of keep it under wraps until it's tested, proven, and, and works. Well, until lovely. it's no longer an issue. No, no. You know, I mean, then by all, unless that is why it's been released, is because actually this was an issue and now it's no longer an issue. It may not but, be. But uh, I, I, I don't get it. I, I just don't quite understand it. Any thoughts, Nev? <laughs> uh, no, I, I can offer very little of that, except the, the bit they do talk about, um, you know, secret information. This is obviously the, the, the press's interpretation again, and uh, that, that can be inaccurate sometimes, can't oh, it? Oh, Nev, so, how very. <laughs> dare you i mean honestly I've, I've never heard such a such nonsense in all my life so the last story uh, the last story nev uh, this one's for you and this is this is good news for anyone who is attending the uh, royal international air tattoo at mm. uh, raf fair for this year I, I dare say you're going are you sir i possibly may well do <laughs> yes well this is on the uh, wiltshire and gloucestershire standard and liz will be, uh, like this story i think because it says that uh, official raf centenary celebrations taking place at this year's royal international air tattoo in the summer have been given an extra boost thanks to one of the uk's closest commonwealth and nato allies Ooh. the royal canadian air force which has already confirmed it was sending a hugely popular cf-18 demo team to the air show at raf fairford on july the 13th to the 15th has announced that an additional three aircraft will be crossing the atlantic to take part illustrating the rcaf's capabilities will be a cc-130 hercules a cc-177 globe Master and a CP140 Aurora, all of which will be on display at the air show Static Park. And uh, they're based in uh, Greenwood, Nova Scotia. The CP140 Aurora from 14 Wing has been used primarily for maritime patrol and anti-submarine warfare since it entered service with the RCAF in the early 1980s. Its endurance and 7,400 kilometre range make it ideal for a variety of missions, including search and rescue and disaster relief. It also provides vital support to other government agencies in combating illegal immigration, illegal fishing, pollution and drug trafficking. Arriving from Canadian Forces Base uh, Trenton, Ontario, the CC-177 Globemaster III transports troops, cargo and oversized combat equipment from coast to coast around the world. Its ability to fly long distances and land at remote airfields makes it a premier transporter for military, humanitarian and peacekeeping missions.
Since 2015, it has supported disaster relief operations in Nepal. It has transported personnel and equipment to battle the Ebola outbreak in West Africa and continues to support the global con- uh, coalition against terrorism. Also arriving from Trenton will be a Lockheed Martin CC-130 Hercules, which is used for troop transport, tactical tactical airlift and aircrew training. Air Tattoo spokesman Richard Arquati said from the Battle of Britain to current missions in the Middle East, the Royal Canadian Air Force has operated side by side with the Royal Air Force. Sending four aircraft to the Air Tattoo to make to mark the RAF centenary reaffirms the strong and enduring bond that exists between them. The Air Tattoo is staged in support of the RAF Charitable Trust and for tickets and details and the wide variety of enclosure options you can visit their website which is airtattoo.com Yep, so don't forget the uh, Royal International Air Tattoo RAF Fairford uh, is going to be on from the 13th to the 15th of July this year. Mm. Uh, The early bird tickets have sold out I will say for uh, Saturday and Sunday. Um, so but, just uh, um, is Farnborough before or after this year? Because because Farnborough's this year as well, isn't I it? I can't remember what, what the yeah, difference is. Yeah. They're together, very close yeah. together, aren't they? They're normally Farnborough is afterwards. I think I'll just have okay. a quick uh, quick look up. Yeah. So the it'll, it'll tickets uh, tickets then for um, the show itself, React. Yeah. Then the limited availability tickets are fifty pounds okay um for the two days for, for actually no sorry for one day tickets are fifty pounds wow. so it's quite that is quite mm. an expensive ticket price i think yeah for an air show um, farnborough is twenty first and twenty second of july for the public days uh this year so it's uh, okay. it's the week following riyadh okay there we go cool. okay I think it was that way around a couple of years ago, mm-hmm. wasn't it? Yeah, it was, yeah. First yeah. And yeah. So okay. that's where we bring the military news segment to a close. And indeed, more or less the end of and the indeed, show. And indeed, yeah. Week, yeah. We have, uh, we've, uh, we're going to, um, obviously, uh, hopefully we've got a few guests that are going to be lined up for the forthcoming shows. Yes, and, uh, and, and, and I believe, uh, I noticed there was a little conversation in the chat room earlier about it, I believe uh, that Nev's passenger experience, I believe, <gasps> possibly returns, is it next week? Oh, I think so, yes. Woo-hoo! We've got a couple, a couple in the can already to go. And I think we'll be playing some interviews that we've done at the 200th yes. show as well, so yeah, we'll spread that over the next few weeks as well. Yeah, absolutely. Nice. Yeah, I still haven't decided when I'm going to do the big one, the, the you know, the, the, the three... The three main men are our uh, captains. Oh, the video mm. yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I haven't quite worked out yeah. what we're going to do that yet. We'll, we'll, we shall see what we can do with that. But uh, if, you, if you weren't watching, I know a lot of the people who are watching now did actually see it live, and uh, it was quite a thing. So I'm looking forward to putting that out. But uh, yes, indeed, that is where we bring episode number two hundred and one. You look so unwell, Matt. Two Let, he's, yeah. he's, Matt's he's get, soldiered Matt's get, on. <laughs> Matt, yeah, Matt's trying to wrap up before he has to blow his nose <laughs> every, again. Every, every now, and again, every now and again doing the show, Matt is like, turn yeah. the microphones yeah, down. Absolutely, I need yeah. to blow my nose. Yeah, um, absolutely. It's, it's more because I'm terrified to start running in a minute. You know. So on, ne- on, uh, <laughs> on next week's show, episode 202, I shall be full of man flu. Yeah, splendid, uh, yes. Well, I like Matt- to share. You know me. <laughs> absolutely. Nev's grateful that he's the other end of yeah. the country all of a sudden. Yes, mm, so. Yeah, definitely. I'm, I'm surprised I didn't pick it up from, from last week because everybody seemed to be coughing and spluttering. Well, yeah, that's the, true. The show, yeah. so, absolutely. Yeah, it's very yeah. lucky to survive. But uh, So we're going to say a big thank you to everyone who has joined us in the live chat room and for the live show today. Yeah. It's been good to see everyone in there and also different to do a Sunday afternoon show. Yeah, But we absolutely. should be back to Friday evening next. No, we're 
not going to be back to Friday we're not next back Friday. week. We're going to have to have a chat about when it is. Oh, we're going to have to well, have a chat. I, like I, I've got I've got to take a friend uh, to the airport uh, next Friday evening. Ooh. So uh, I that sounds fun. Yeah, indeed. Yes, yeah, so mm. uh, picking them up from Stansted and taking. Oh, them that's to not too Heathrow. bad. Then. Taking them to Heathrow. Oh, okay. Right. Okay. So it's because you can't rely on public transport, I'm afraid. So, uh, yes, indeed. Uh, yes, yeah, so we'll work out when uh, when we're doing the show, uh, sort of, uh, when we're off there. But there will be one next week, that I can tell you. Yeah. Anyway. Yes. So that is when we bring episode number 201. Because it just sounds really weird now. It does, doesn't We've it? We've gone mm. past the 200 threshold. We have. Anyway, 201 to a close. A big thanks to everyone, as always. Thanks to everyone who downloads the show mm. via iTunes and all the, all the other podcasts you download yeah. platforms. Thanks for listening yeah. and downloading the show. Don't forget to send in your voice oh, feedback. Yeah, please do. We yeah, love we to hear yeah, from you. Absolutely. Play it out on the show, and you can send that in too. So yes, uh, for social media networks, you can do it via facebook.com forward slash Plain Talking UK. Our Twitter handle is at Plain Talking UK. Email is podcast at Plain Talking UK dot com, and you can go directly to the website. It is www.plaintalkinguk.com. <laughs> Mariana's just said in the chat. Room that it's not Friday without PTUK. I know. Well, we could do a later Sorry, one. I don't, I don't know quite what time I'm going to get back yeah, from We'll, it, we'll, so we'll sort something out. Don't, uh, don't yeah. panic. Unless you want me to do it from the airport. Oh, God. If you'd like me to do it from the airport, Mm. we can probably work something like that. Absolutely, indeed. Yes, so leave it with me. (laughs) So from from me, Carlos, have a lovely rest of the Sunday and have a safe uh, week at work, wherever you may be in the world. And uh, Nev, as always, thanks for joining us. Pleasure. Great uh, great to be here again. And I'm glad I've uh, uh, recovered from last week. Uh, The the, the last few days have been very difficult. Yes, indeed. Yes. Monday morning came around very quickly, didn't it? Oh, it did. Absolutely. But there there we are. All part of the from. So from all of us here in the studio and the legend that is Nev at the other end of the day. Take care, everyone. Bye-bye. Bye. 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 Bye.